Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out Toronto today, August 24th on a Wednesday. We get some time with the mayor of Toronto, John Tory. Two terms elected and running for a third. But he does have opposition. He knows people are going to be challenging his record. We'll see if that's impactful come election time. But we wanted to talk about his housing plans. We wanted to talk about how he views the city coming back to life. We were a pretty locked down city. I think the mayor acknowledges that. We were locked down a lot longer than other North American cities. There was believed to be a purpose and a design behind that. So let's get into that discussion as well. John Tory on Toronto Today. You are out yesterday uh, talking about the city's housing shortage. I know you've talked about it a fair bit, but you laid out a five-point plan. Look, I'd say your second term has, if I do the math, it's been 14 months pre-pandemic, and it's been close to 30 months post-pandemic. Is there anything you wish you'd done in the first 14 with regard to the city's housing shortage um, so, so that we're not sort of more behind the eight ball? How What would you have done differently in those 14 months to address the shortage that we're definitely in right now? Well, it's interesting you say that. We tried very hard. What we did do successfully pre-pandemic is to establish solid partnerships with the other governments so that they're really contributing, especially the federal government, to uh, building more affordable housing in the city of Toronto. But it, it remained the case, and this is something that I'm, I'm proposing to really you know, move forward and change now. It remained the case that it, it still took too long to get um, approvals uh, in place for housing, affordable housing in particular, um, you know, in the city. And so... Um, you know, I think you'd want to speed that up, which I'm trying to do. And the second thing, I suppose, is that, you know, I wish there had been the votes on city council to do some of the things that, um, you know, will cause us to look at more housing options. Uh, you know, we simply have to take the streets, the busy streets, for example, the, the, the major streets that have transit on them and have more mid-rise housing. And right now, even to get a mid-rise housing building built, say six to 12 stories on a street with transit, a major busy street, uh, is a huge, complicated, time-consuming undertaking here, and I'm proposing to fix that because we need more housing and we need it faster. I think you make the point, uh, and, and it's, uh, I'm sure there will be other candidates that make it, and a lot of city councils that make it. You've either got large condominium or apartment buildings or those houses in really nice, leafy neighborhoods you drive by, and you say, I wonder who lives there. But there isn't much in between. There's not many places where you say, well, there's probably four families sharing this. And then you're part of the community. You're in a nice, safe neighborhood. You have access to restaurants and shopping and public transit. There is not a lot of middle ground in the city right now. No, but there has to be middle ground. And mm. that doesn't take away at all from the quality of the neighborhoods that are out there. But you're right. I mean, we simply can't have a city that consists entirely of 60-story or 70-story towers uh, or a two-story house. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of the streets I was referring to. People will be familiar with this. Uh, streets like Bathurst and Danforth and many others that have you know long, long, miles-long stretches of two-story uh, development. Uh, the ground floor is a store and the second story is an apartment. If you think of uh, many other major cities in the world, uh, on those very same streets, they would have six, seven, eight stories of housing above the stores. So they have the animation at the street level of the stores, but then they have lots of housing above it on streets that are major streets that are well served by transit. And, and similarly, uh, you know, you see neighborhoods right here in Toronto where there are duplexes and triplexes and very low rise apartment buildings that are mixed in with perfectly stable and high quality of life neighborhoods. But we simply have to have more of those kinds of housing options that make up part of the menu uh, for us, because otherwise we're just not going to be able to cope. I mean, we, we have, you know, there's a report out this morning saying that Ontario's population is going to grow by, I think it's 30 percent in the next 20 years. Well, those people that are coming to Toronto have to have a place to live.
Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a big problem, and it's it didn't crop up overnight either. I'd ask you about uh, working from home. You made a you made a plea in essence for employers in the downtown core to encourage employees, incentivize in any way they can uh, to get people back to the office. I think you'd agree. Look, it's been a good summer. We're talking about the CNE on right now. We've had the Caribbean Carnival, packed stadiums, um, the Blue Jays, TFC, all that stuff's been back. But the Monday to Friday hustle and bustle, people going to their offices, you know, stopping, getting dry cleaning, getting a present for their wife or husband on the way home. That is lacking. And the cell data shows that as well, is that our post-pandemic recovery seems to be behind other North American cities. What can we do besides beg and plead employers to do this? Well, I think a lot of why we uh, you know, are behind the other cities is that we had a, a kind of a longer lockdown uh, in Toronto. Now, that produced better health numbers and better vaccination numbers and mm-hmm. so on. But you're right. I mean, the downtown recovery in particular has been slower. Uh, I think a lot of this has been that it's summer and we'll have to see what happens after Labor Day, whether more people come back to work. But what I've convened this group to study is, is this question, which is, is the change more of a kind of lifestyle change that would have happened anyway without a pandemic and that people, you know, just now that the technology allows them to do so would rather work from home. And the evidence seems to suggest the answer to that is in part, yes, but that has very serious consequences for those downtown businesses that don't get that gift that you mentioned or the lunch that people would Mm -hmm. buy. Uh, It has profound consequences for office space downtown. It has profound consequences for the TTC, for example, where our ridership is at 62% of normal. Well, every one of those people who's not riding the TTC is not paying a fair and that means the TTC falls hundreds of millions of dollars short on revenue, which has to be made up somewhere. So there are all these kinds of things going on. Um, but at the other side, we have to look at the impact on kind of company culture, people's career development, and whether not being in the office uh, has an impact on that. So these are big, big questions that I'm trying to uh, study as part of a recovery plan that I want to bring forward for the city. And, and it's being brought forward now piece by piece to make sure we can recover stronger than ever, because uh, that is something that you know we have to attend to. Uh, people think the pandemic is over. It isn't entirely over because there could be another wave, but also the effects of the pandemic on business and on the economy are still being felt and we need to you know make sure that we address that mayor john tory our guest on toronto today on 640 toronto um yeah you mentioned reaction to this and, and i'm sure you're seeing what's going on with great debate d- debate about uh, what should be happening on university campuses western specifically or u of t saying well we want uh, students to get a booster before they we don't want we're not advising we're telling you you must let's say we have a spike in numbers and the minister of health for the province starts talking about closing things up again. It's been, I know what a run it's been for Dr. Dr. Davila. I know you're relieved that you and her don't have to sit and explain, give bad news to people as opposed to good news. But let's say we have a spike. What's the messaging between you and Dr. Davila to keep the city as open as humanly possible while making sure that we cover everything? Well, we talk about this all the time, and we are talking about it at 8 o'clock this morning. We're still having meetings about Mm -hmm. the pandemic because it's still a reality. And what we tried to do during the height of the pandemic was just to provide steady, reliable, consistent, you know, kind of leadership that people could sort of at least know what was going on. But here, here I think, is the best answer that we would have as of the moment, which is the key to this. It isn't probably going to be as much in shutting things down as it was before, but rather in really continuing to focus on vaccination. Because we have shown uh, here in Toronto where we achieved numbers that were record for any cities in the world, just just about. I mean, I'm not sure there were any city that did any better, um, that vaccination can keep people out of the hospital, can keep them at work, keep them healthy, keep them alive for that matter. And I think the uh, challenge will be for us to continue to make sure that people get their vaccinations. You know, we have over 90% that got mm-hmm. first and second, but then it drops down to the 60s for third and so on. And, and there's still challenges there with children and so on. So we have to keep at 
the vaccination message. It's still voluntary for people to get it. I mean, no one has to get a vaccination, but I think we have to indicate the benefits of that and focus on that as opposed to uh, as much of the shutdown. But as you know, a lot of those decisions on shutdowns were made by the province, and mm-hmm. we will work with them in partnership uh, and, 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 and you know, try to do our best to keep people healthy, which is in the end what our mandate is to do. Do you have a, a, a rep- an opinion on what University of Toronto should be doing with that form of mandate? You, I mean, you say nobody has to get a vaccination, but they're telling 19 and 20 year olds who may be coming off Omicron that they do have to get that third shot as opposed to just. Well, the, two the point shots. I was trying to make about nobody has to get one, Greg, is that nobody, you know, you have a choice to make. You cannot attend your classes and so on. But look, each of those institutions is getting mm-hmm. its own advice, just like I do from Dr. Davila. And, you know, so they're making their own decisions. Would it be preferable if everybody was the same to avoid confusion? I suppose so. But in the end, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they're making their own decisions. And you heard even on the news in the last day or so. Uh, you know, some are doing this mandatory vaccination mandate and yeah. some are not. Um, so they're given that choice and the students in turn are given their choice as to whether they want to come to class if there's a mandate or not. And I realize that's a big choice for them to make. But in the end, uh, I think the news that people might want to, you know, think about is just the mm-hmm. fact that those universities, yes, they have a policy, but no, it doesn't say that everybody is is forced to get a vaccination. They have a choice. I know we've got under a minute here. Um, you're you're running for a third term. Um, there's going to be 31 candidates running against you. I know you're going to be in the crosshairs. You, you get what the game is. There's going to be criticism of things uh, that you've done. But sure. the numbers as a whole, the Toronto Star documents 242 people ran in la- in the last municipal election in 2018, only 164 now. Do you worry about that? Do you worry that public service stepping forward, um, you know, getting ready to take uh, praise and criticism and just being involved in municipal politics is people are just less, less willing to do it. Those numbers seem obvious that that's the case. It's disappointing to people who, who love engagement and, and love serving. Well, I'll start with the good news, which is you mentioned engagement and serving, and there is no job that can be more rewarding or satisfying than to serve the public and try and make a difference in a city that you love, which is certainly what motivates me and I think many of the other people who run. But um, it is becoming a, an increasingly difficult job for people in terms of the impact on their family. I happen to run uh, for office at a time in my life when my children were grown, but it still has an impact on your family and your ability to spend you know proper amounts of time with them and so on. But I think just as importantly is the fact that um, the way, in particular, social media, uh, you know, treat mm-hmm. uh, people in public life um, makes it very unattractive for a lot of people. They would just say, why would I want to subject myself to that kind of intrusion and abuse? Because it is, it's abuse. And, and and no one can seemingly do very much about it. So I just think we have mm-hmm. to sort of have a long, hard think about that because, um, you know, you need people who are going to step forward. These are very important jobs. The city is a home to 3 million people. Um, it is a $15 billion budget. So you need experienced, uh, steady you know, competent people to do these jobs, to run our city well and to, to, to protect it going forward. So I just think we have to think about these kinds of things because I think it's at all different levels of government. People are just finding this something they would not do as a matter of career choice because they just say, who you know, who needs it? And I will tell them it is a great, these are great jobs and they're rewarding jobs, but uh, there's a price to be paid and we've got to make sure we try and keep that price down, you know, so that people will step forward. Mayor John Tory, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate the conversation. Okay, I know I li- our listeners yeah. do as well. Thank you again. Take care. Okay, you too. Thanks. There's John Tory on uh, Toronto Today.